What's up, church? How you guys doing this, this morning? Hey, this is the last time I'm going to ask this question. How was your week at work? All right. That's way better than first service. First service, actually, there was a guy in first service who was just like, like whoa, all right, man, that's a bummer. Um, <laughs> don't know what happened to that guy, but it uh, didn't sound good. I also want to say happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there, all right? Um, Again, just want to repeat that. Glad that you guys are here and, uh, and here at Grace this morning taking some time off from your Mother's Day to come to church. I like it. I like it. Uh, today, we're going to be wrapping up our series called Don't Waste Your Work. All right? Work. All, you know, the word that none of us want to hear. Um, don't waste your work. And we've looked through the last three weeks, we've been talking about kind of God's idea of work and how to apply that kind of to to our life, and we looked at things like, hey, we were created to work, we are to work hard, we are supposed to work with our heart, we're supposed to work as if we're working for God himself, uh, we should be using our job as a tool, and because of that, our attitude and the way we work, our work ethic, ethic actually matters, we talked about complaining a little bit in there, and, uh, and we talked about kind of our ultimate job, which is to do whatever we possibly can to reach as many people as we possibly can for Jesus, and how that kind of applies to our jobs, and how that kind of applies to our work. And so today, to wrap this thing up, all right, to put a nice bow on it, tie it up, send it off, uh, we're going to talk about one last thing regarding work, and I feel like this thing is fitting for Mother's Day. Uh, actually, it was a few weeks ago or a month ago, a month and a half, I don't remember. Uh, I was trying to figure out, like, piece the series together, trying to figure out, okay, you know, if we're going to spend four weeks talking about work, what do we want to talk about? Because there's so much in the Bible about work, and, you know, I'm going, what does our, you know, what do I think our church and our culture in Tiffin, Ohio, what do we need to hear and all that kind of stuff? And then I realized as I was looking through the dates, so I'm like, oh, we're going to be finishing this series on work on Mother's Day, all right? A little awkward. You know, it's not like mom, it's not the thing moms want to hear on Mother's Day of all days, all right, to come to church, have this young guy, all right, up on stage going, you need to work harder, you need to work harder, you need to work harder, right? That's not probably the most receptive day uh, that, you know, moms that you guys are going to take it on a Mother's Day, um, which I do think that's something we need to hear. Throw that out there. But, all right, not just the moms, everybody, okay, myself included. But today we're going to look at another aspect of work, and, uh, and it's an aspect of work, it's part of work that I don't feel like we really talk about much. I don't know why this is. In fact, I don't, I don't think I ever remember going to church in, ever in my life and listening to a sermon on what we're going to be looking at today, and we're going to be talking about the idea of rest. <sighs> yeah, not so bad. Sounds pretty good. If you look around at our culture and if you look deep within your life, which is what I want everybody to do, you know, this morning, I honestly think we have forgotten how to rest. I think we've just kind of forgotten how to rest or we don't know how to rest. And I think most of us, what we've done is we've gotten into this routine of kind of working seven days a week. Okay. And what I mean by kind of working, I mean, um, we're doing stuff. We're busy for seven days a week. I'm not saying we're working hard, all right? That's completely different. I don't think, I think a lot of us, you know, that's what we've been talking about kind of for the last three weeks is we need to work hard. Like we need to know how to do that. Some of us are terrible at working hard, okay? It's just the honest truth. But I think, um, you know, I, I'm not saying we work hard for seven days a week. I'm saying we kind of work, all right? 
for seven days a week, and that's kind of what we've just gotten used to, all right? We don't work hard. We're, our lives are just busy. Like, it just gets filled up with a bunch of stuff. I mean, think about it. We got our job. We got to take care of the kids. We got to go to a meeting. We got to pay the bills. We got to answer this call. We got to go to the kids' game. And then we got to run them over here. We got to go show up over here. We got to, you know, we got all this stuff to do. It's not hard work, but it's not rest. And this is a formula for burnout. Okay, it just is, right? This is why people are burnt out all over the place with their jobs and their work and a lot of people with their, with their life. I mean, this is why anxiety, depression, and stress are so, you know, are increasing everywhere in our culture. And the honest truth is we are just like messed up, jacked up people. I mean, that's just, that's just who we are. And, and it's me too. And so what we need to do, I think, in our life is when, when we start feeling, you know, stressed out or whatever about work, bummed about work, something happened in our jobs or whatever, I think sometimes we just need to take a step back, breathe a little, and go, hey, what does God say about this? Right? That ever occurred to us? Hey, what does God say about my issue that's going on in my life. And he actually says a lot about rest. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to go all the way back to the beginning to look at how God has initially designed us. And uh, we're going to go all the way back to the first book, actually the first chapter of the first book. And uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, this is the first book in the first verse in the entire Bible. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, okay? And so God did this, and this was his work. This is what he was doing. And uh, in this, he spent six days doing this, okay? The first day, and let me just throw the caveat out there. All right, don't get hung up on the six days. If you got questions about that, we'll talk about that some other time. We're not really talking about that today. But, uh, but he spent six days doing this. The first day, the Bible tells us that he created light, and then he creates, he separates the water, okay, from on the, on the earth, all right? He makes the atmosphere. He's got the water on the, on, on the land. On, ah, that doesn't make sense. On the earth, whatever. And then the third day, he creates land. All right, the fourth day, he creates the sun and the moon and the stars. And then the fifth day, he creates the fish and the birds. And then on the sixth day, he creates the land animals. And then he creates the most important thing and the most impressive thing that God has created. And he creates Adam and Eve, all right? And after he creates Adam and Eve, he gives them a job to do. Now, we kind of talked about this on the first week, but we're going to look at this a little bit deeper today. He says, God bless them. And God said to them, he says, hey, be fruitful and multiply. Okay, what's that mean? He's saying, hey, I want you guys to go out and have babies. All right, that's your job. I want you guys to do this. Go find a quiet corner somewhere in the garden where no one's watching and take care of business. All right. He's saying, be fruitful and multiply. He says, fill the earth and subdue it. What's that mean? He's saying, hey, I want you to go out there and build roads. I want you to build houses. I want you to build gas stations. I want you to, you know, go like subdue the earth. The earth is wild. It's huge. All right, there's a lot to be done. He's saying, I want you to go and subdue it and push back against nature because it will always be pushing on you and rule the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth. He's saying basically, hey, you guys are in charge and I want you to manage this thing called earth that I'm giving to you. It's the first work order ever. God puts it in and he gives it to Adam and Eve. He's saying, hey, guess what? I got work for you to do. Now he does this on day six of creation, okay? The sixth day that the earth is in existence, all right? A couple of verses later, it says, God saw all that he had made and it was very very, very, very good, okay? 
Indeed, he says, evening came, and then the morning, the sixth day. He says, so the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. And on the seventh day, God completed his work. Okay, even God works, right? God completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. He repeats himself. It said, God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from what? From all his work of creation. All right, so this is what God does. So God works hard for six days, and then he rests on the seventh. Now, have you ever asked yourself this question? Have you ever wondered, wondered like, why six days? Why do you do that? Like why, I mean, this is God, right? Like God's limitless. He can do whatever he wants. He's all powerful. You know, he's not bound by time or anything like that. He never gets tired. Like why does God just like show up and just say, you know what? Why doesn't he just go, um, let there be earth. And then there it is. Bam, earth, everything's going on it. Adam and Eve, you know, everything's good. Why does he do that? He could just done that in like a second. But instead, God spends six days working, building this thing, right? It's funny because in our culture, right, fast is good and slow is bad. Like that's just generally how, you know, how we work. We want, when we do something, we just want it to be really quick. We want it to be fast. We don't want to go slow. Uh, for me personally, whenever I do a project, right, after I buy the tools that I, that I want, I mean, my tools that I need, eh, <laughs> after I buy my tools, then I go and I try to get the project done as fast as I can because I don't want to do it. Like I don't want to, I don't want it to, to take time. Right? That's how we kind of view that's it, it, like work, but that's not what God does. It's almost like He enjoys His work, right? And God, what He's doing here on the seventh day is He's giving us an example. He's saying, Hey, I want you to work hard, but I also want you to take a day of rest, and that's good for you. Now, some of you guys out there, I know what you guys are thinking. Some of you, some of you moms out there, I know what you're thinking. Maybe you're even a single mom, okay, and you got the hardest job in the world, and, you know, I, I totally recognize that, and, and you're going, I, I can't do that, Pastor Zach, like, like, people depend on me, like, I can't just go take a day off, like, I don't have that luxury, like, Adam and Eve did, you know, I don't have that, and, uh, and you work, and you work hard, and my response to you is just this, God rested, beat that, you know, <laughs> Maybe you're a CEO, right? Maybe you manage a company or you manage a department, the supervisor of a department. And you're like, I got to run the company. Like, I got to run this department. Like, I live in a real world and I have a real job and I have to answer those emails and I have to take those calls. I got to be on call 24-7. My response to you is, yeah, I get it, all right? But God rested. Maybe some of you guys, you're sitting there like, wait, what? Like, this sounds exactly opposite of what you've been talking about for the last three weeks, all right? Like the last three weeks, you've been showing us how God expects us to work and we're supposed to work hard and we're supposed to put our hearts into our work. And I'm trying to up my game and I'm trying to take the overtime and I'm trying to go above and beyond for my supervisor, my manager, and, and I'm trying to do it the right way. And my response is, yeah, I get it. Like God worked, okay? God worked six days, but then he rested. Maybe some of you guys are going, you know what? Maybe there's only a few guys out there. You're like, you know what? I'll be honest with you. Like, I don't even feel tired. Like, I'm not tired. I, I, I kind of like to work. I like my job. Everything's good. I like going in to work. And my response is, yes, yeah, so did God. But he rested. 
See, God took a rest, but here on this seventh day, God's not the only one anymore, right? Like there's other people there. Adam and Eve, they're there, right? And think about Adam and Eve, right? There's so much to be done. First of all, they got to have babies, right? That's got to be done. Um, they got to subdue the entire uh, earth, okay? That's going to take a while. So that's a big job in front of them. I can't even subdue my backyard, all right? It's annoying, um, especially with it raining today. This is not helping things. Dandelions, uh, weeds, disaster, all right? So they're like, you know, they have, they have to have babies. They have to subdue the entire earth. They have this huge garden that they got to take care of, that they're the ones in charge. They got to manage the place. And on the first full day ever of their existence, what are they doing? Taking a break. <laughs> Resting. See, I don't think we are to rest from work. I think we rest for work. Get there? There's a difference there? I don't think we're supposed to rest from work. We rest for work. That's what, that's what Adam and Eve do. They've never, even, they've never experienced all right, a full day of work ever. They don't even know what that's like because they've never, they've never done it. And here God's like, hey, before you work, all right, for your work, I want you to rest. It's for your work. They rest before they work. And for a while, it goes pretty good for them. All right? At least in my Bible, it's like a page and a half, okay, that it goes well for Adam and Eve. And then eventually, sin enters the world. All right, oh, they do the wrong thing. All right, sin enters the world. It breaks up the relationship with God. It really breaks, messes up the relationship with each other, and it messes up the relationship with actually work, all right? It makes work a lot harder on them. And so sin enters the world, and, and a few generations after them, things get so bad that God has to start all the way over, and he starts with this family name, or this fam Noah's family. And, uh, and then a few generations after that, God picks this random guy kind of out of nowhere named Abraham and says, hey, I'm going to make a nation. I'm going to save the world through actually you and, and your descendants that come after you. And then uh, Abraham's great-grandson, Joseph, ends up through a whole series of events becoming VP of Egypt. All right, all of a sudden, and then he invites his brothers and their families, hey, why don't you guys come to Egypt? I got this sweet place for you. And so they come, they live out their days. A few generations after that, Egypt's like, why do we have this nation? Like they grew into a nation. They multiplied, all right? They did exactly what God had told them to do. And then Egypt's like, why do we got this nation? Like right in our backyard, these, these Jewish people. And so Egypt says, hey, they're going to be our slaves. And so then the Jewish people are slaves in Egypt for, for 400 years. And then God calls this guy named Moses and says, hey, Moses, I want you to go. I want you to go lead my people out of Egypt. Moses does that with God's help. And so God is leading the Jewish people to this land that God has promised them. It's called the promised land. And, uh, and along the way, God decides that he has to remind them about this idea of rest. And so they stop. And God gives them 10 moral things that they need to do. We call them the 10 commandments. He says, hey, if you just follow these 10 things, you'll be set. These 10 things are for you. It's stuff like have no other gods before me, all right? Stuff like no idols. Hey, don't use my name flippantly or don't use my name in vain without thinking, all right? Because my name's important. And then the fourth one in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, it says, God's telling the Jewish people, he says, hey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to remember the Sabbath day. Now, the word for Sabbath here is the same Hebrew word that was all the way in Genesis 1 for rest. All right, it's the same word. And so he says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
He says, you are to labor. He explains what he means. You are to labor six days and to do all your work. All right, it's getting a little lower. Okay. <laughs> you guys are sleeping. I can tell when you guys start falling asleep. He says, but the seventh day is a Sabbath. Okay, it's this day of rest to the Lord your God. And so you must not do any work. All right. Then he explains who he's talking about. Who's the you? He's saying you, 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 you. Your son or daughter or male servant or female servant, your livestock or the resident alien who is within your city limits. God, God's like, hey, it doesn't matter who you are, right? I don't want you doing work. I don't want your kids doing work. I don't want your animals doing work, okay? I want them taking a rest too. Even if they're not Jewish people, but they're living in your town, all right, they're like a foreigner. He's like, I don't want them doing any work either. He says, for the Lord made the heavens, and God's reminding them of this. He's saying, for the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them in six days. You guys remember? He's like, oh, they're like, oh. He says, then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. Now, why does God have to explain this to these people? Think about it. These people have been slaves for 400 years. I mean, this group of people. Right? So they don't know. I mean, they may have never even heard of the word rest. Like they might not have this concept in their minds of, of rest because they've been slaves. All right. Their parents were slaves. Their grandparents were slaves. Their great, great grandparents were slaves. Their great, great, great grandparents were slaves. Like everybody they know, all their family, everybody who's related to them, they're all slaves or they've all been slaves for so long. And so, and so God has to stop. And he's like, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. You guys need to take a day of rest once in a while. What God is doing is he's reminding them and he's reminding us this morning how we are designed to function. Right? All of us, we are designed while we're physically able to work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard, rest. That's what we're designed to do. Right? We're to work hard for six days. And then we, are to take, then we are to take a full day of full rest. Now, I'm not saying you have to work at your job for six days. Okay, There's a lot of things I think are considered work. But he's saying, hey, work for six days and take a rest. I mean, it's funny because this is like the one commandment that nobody seems to follow. That we're like, eh, well, you know, uh, I don't really know if that applies to me. You know, we look at, we go through the Ten Commandments. We're like, have no other gods before me. Like, check Got you, all right? Uh, you're the only one to me. You know, we're like, don't murder. Check, never done that. And then it's like, don't lie. And I'm like, eh, usually check. Or don't steal. You know, it's like, check. Or, or don't commit adultery. Check. And, and we look at completely rest one day a week. And we're like, uh, well, that, we have all these excuses why this is implied to me in my life at this moment, you know, during this time. We're like, well, you know, God, I don't know if you realize this, but I got a lot going on. Like God was creating the earth and everything in it. And then we got this little thing going on in our life. We're like, see, I can't rest because I got this thing going on here. You know what the word Sabbath literally means? It literally means to stop. That's what it means, to stop. Notice, by the way, there is a difference, by the way, to stop and slow down. It's not saying to slow down. It's saying to stop. See, it's normal for us to uh, you know, to be, see someone for, that we haven't seen for a while. And what are they, you know, what's one thing that someone asks you once in a while? They're like, hey, staying busy? 
hey, you stay busy, hey, you've been busy. And you're like, yeah, yeah, man. And we all, none of us are always like, now, you know, it's like, it's not, it's not like wired in us to do that. We're all like, even if we're not busy, we're like, oh yeah, I'm so busy. Yeah, you know, I got a lot going on, right? Yeah, we, we, we've been staying busy, all right. You know, we got this, we got that. You know, we all think we're staying busy. And I think generally we all are busy. Like, I think we're all in that, in that camp. And I'm not saying that we need to slow down, Okay. It's funny because I got some, you know, good Christian people that I respect that sometimes will come up to me, one in particular that I'm thinking of will come up to me and they'll, and they'll see what I'm doing and they're like, hey, you know, you know, Zach, like you're too busy. I think you need to slow down. I'm like, okay, I appreciate it. I hear what you're saying, but I think you need to go read your Bible because I don't see that anywhere in the Bible that we should, that we should slow down. That's not what the Sabbath means. Okay, the Sabbath does not mean slow down. Right? I don't think we should slow down. In fact, I think every single one of us in this room as Christians, we should be running harder. Well, should we be running at a comfortable pace? No. I don't no. We shouldn't be running at a comfortable pace. Like like in in high school I ran track, okay? And I never ever went into a race thinking, "Man, I hope I run a mediocre race today." I never did that. That never, ever crossed my mind. The way I thought was, hey, you know, I want to run as fast as I can without dying. Okay, that's what I want to do. That's, that's how we should live our life. Like, we should be wanting to run as fast as we can without dying. Because Paul describes life as a race. And I'll be honest with you, like, I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but for me in my life, like, I don't want to run a mediocre life. I don't want to. Right? That's, Paul, he didn't want to. It's clear. He didn't want to. Like, like, I don't want to run a mediocre race of life as far as my life is concerned. I want to run and I want to live my life God's way. And God tells us, and God makes it clear in the Bible. God says, hey, you work, you sweat, you bleed for six days. And then you completely rest on one. Then you stop and you rest so you can get at it for the next six days. See, that's how we're to live our life. But we have the tendency to mess that up, all right? We, we, we just do, all right? Even the Jewish people mess it up. From the time that God gives the Jewish people the Ten Commandments to when Jesus appears is about 1,300 years later. So about 1,300 years later, which Jesus was about 2,000 years ago, all right? Uh, Jesus uh, appears, and what the Jewish people had done is they had turned the Sabbath into the most non-restful day you could possibly imagine, okay? It's just funny how we, as people, do this. And in fact, because of that, Jesus got in trouble in, on the Sabbath a lot, okay? He was always, uh, he was always getting in trouble with these people. And, uh, and the main group of people that, that Jesus was always getting in trouble with were, were these people called the Pharisees. And we've talked about the Pharisees before. These people are just like the ultimate religious leaders, all right, these guys were all into rules. Like, like, you know, those people who are like rule followers who don't break a rule, they make the rules, you know? You know people like that? Okay, that's what, that, those were these people. They're kind of crazy, okay? Um, if that's you, you're, you're kind of crazy, okay? I'm just saying. Um, rules were meant to be broken, but, uh, but what they did is that these Jewish people, they read the Ten Commandments, 
they read what Jesus, what, what God is, is saying here. It's like, don't work on the Sabbath. And so they're like, okay, the last day of the Sabbath, that's a Saturday. And then they're like, all right, so we get that. Um, so what they decided is, hey, we need a list of rules to follow so that we don't come close to breaking the real rule. Get what I'm saying? So they had all these rules about what you could and couldn't do on the Sabbath so you wouldn't even come close to breaking the real rule, which was God's rule, which was about working on the Sabbath. And we've talked about some of these before. Uh, some of them were, you know, some of them are just kind of odd, right, that they thought through this. So uh, just some examples were no planting, no trapping, no hunting, no writing, no erasing what you wrote yesterday, I guess, uh, no cutting, no tying, can't tie, uh, no starting a fire, and no putting out a fire because that's all work. And one of those was you couldn't even carry stuff, okay? Um, and so all these rules were all because, you know, they reasoned in their mind that maybe God would view any of this stuff as work and then they could get in trouble with God. You know, that's like, it's like they're thinking. In fact, they still do that today, all right? This is what Judaism is. It hasn't changed much. And so let's take that rule real quick. You can't carry anything outside your home. This was one of the rules that they came up with themselves. It's not in the Bible. It's not in Scripture. God did not hand this over to them. And uh, what they realized is, all right, they, they made this rule, and they're like, man, our rule is really hard to follow, all right? Can't carry anything outside my house. And so they made some like, exceptions to the rule, which is what we do, to their own rules. It's just kind of weird. And so they were like, okay, um, you can't carry anything outside your house is the rule that we came up with. And so what we're going to say is if you, if you build a wall around your property, so you couldn't take something from your house to like your front lawn, okay? You couldn't do that because that's outside the house. So like if you build a wall around your property, then anything within that wall could be considered your home. And so then you could carry anything around um, your property. So they came up with that. And then after a while, they were like, hey, you know what? What if I want to carry something on the Sabbath to my neighbor's house? They're like, well, you can't do that because it's outside the wall. And so they were like, well, if that neighbor's house was in the wall too, then you could carry it inside to their house. And so they made, started making the walls bigger. But then walls became kind of hard to do. And so they're like, well, you know what? Maybe it doesn't have to be a full-scale like wall. Maybe it could just be a fence. Like a fence would, would work. And so then they could start fencing around like little villages and stuff and say, okay, you could pick that thing up and you could carry that anywhere within the fence or anywhere within the village and you're not going to break our rule. Okay. So, and then after that, it was like, well, a fence is kind of hard. So then it became a string, right? You can wrap a string around a town or a village or something. And if you carry anything from out of your house, you can carry anything within the string. But as soon as you cross over the barrier of that string, sin, man, God's going mm, to, you're breaking the rule, okay? People still, like Judaism still does this today. I don't think we realize it, but this is still happening today. In fact, in Manhattan, has a, has a string that, that goes around it. It's called, um, it's called an Eruv. And, uh, and here's a guy who kind of explains what happens on a weekly basis, all for the Sabbath, even today. One of the prohibited activities on the Sabbath is something called carrying. The rabbis realized the difficulty in enjoying the Sabbath if you weren't allowed to carry outside of the house. And therefore, they created a construct in which the area in which the Jews lived was enclosed first by a wall or a fence, and then eventually by a symbolic 
wall or fence, which was created by setting up two poles and a string on the top of the two poles. And that imaginary wall served to religiously enclose the neighborhood and to allow Jews to carry within that neighborhood. What's amazing is that in 1970, there were under 10 Arubs in all of North America. Now I would say there are over 200 Arubs. Yes, there is an Arub in Manhattan. The Arub that began in 1999 as a small community Arub on the Upper West Side is now the Arub that encloses almost all of Manhattan from 126th Street all the way down to the southern tip of Manhattan. The rabbi goes early in the morning on Thursday to check the entire enclosure to make sure that the strings and the poles are all exactly where they need to be. And then he, at the end of that, identifies places that might need to be repaired. If there is a place that needs to be repaired, this rabbi meets the maintenance company first thing on Friday morning, and they repair the Arab. The upkeep of the Arab, the maintenance of the Arab, the rabbi, costs a, a little over $100,000 a year. The Manhattan Arab is the most expensive Arab in the world. So they still do this today, all right? And uh, it is interesting. It's all these rules about how to keep their own rules, which is how to keep them from breaking God's rule. Like, it's, like it's just interesting. And in fact, Jesus was dealing with the same type of stuff. It's actually the same rules that Jesus was dealing with that they still have today. Actually, one time, Jesus and, uh, and his disciples, many of you guys have heard this story, is Jesus walking through a, a, a grain field, and his disciples are hungry, so they're picking some heads of grain, working it in their hand, and popping it in their mouth. They're just, you know, just having a little snack, eating it. And so up pops from the field somewhere a Pharisee, all right? A Pharisee's got their, like, little clipboard. They're ready to write down anything. They're on patrol 100%, you know, all the time, all right, 24 hours, 24-7. They're on patrol, right, ready to catch somebody doing something wrong. And so up pops a Pharisee and points to Jesus and says, hey, technically that's harvesting, which is technically working, which is technically breaking the Sabbath. You guys can't do that, all right? The Pharisees are like, uh, like the hall monitors, all right, in high school. Always got their clipboard. They're ready to catch anybody in the act. You know, uh, the Pharisees just like, hey, guys, you can't do that. That's against our rules. You're breaking the rule, all right? It's, this is how Jesus responds in verse 27 of Mark 2. It says, then he told them, he says, guys, you guys are missing this. You're not getting it. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He's saying, you guys are completely missing the whole idea of this day of rest. He's saying, he's saying this day of rest thing, how I designed you to function, all right? This was actually a gift to you. This is a gift. This is good for you. It's God's given us a day of rest for our benefit, right? It's for our work. And these guys are so messing it up. After this, Jesus, he walks into a synagogue. 
And Mark 3 says, Jesus entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a shriveled hand. Remember, this is on the Sabbath. So this is on a Saturday. Um, the, every, you know, everybody's doing their thing. You're not allowed to work. And so in order to accuse him, they, the Pharisees, these religious leaders, are watching him closely to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. So they're watching. They're like, oh, Jesus is here. You know, they've got his eyes on him. And, and they're like, oh, is he going to do it? You know, oh, he better not do it. And so he, Jesus, he knows exactly what's going on. Like, he knows what they're thinking. He knows what's going on. He's like, ah, okay, guys, all right. And so he told the man with the shriveled hand, he's like, hey, come, come up here. Stand, I want you to stand before us. So the guy goes, okay, Jesus, whatever you say. You know, he comes, up to, he comes up to Jesus, and he says, then he said to them, all right, he's talking to the religious leaders in the room. He's like, hey, guys, I've got a question for you. I know you guys are watching me. I know what you're thinking because I'm God, all right. He says, hey, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil? I'm a little confused. Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Should I be doing good on the Sabbath or evil? Should I save a life or, or kill? All right, he says that. But they, when he, answered, when he asked that question, they were silent, all right? They were silent out loud because they don't know what to say because Jesus has kind of trapped them. He's kind of backed them into a corner. But on, in the inside, they're like, oh, he better not heal that hand. He better not do it, all right? We're waiting. He says, after looking around at them, with anger, this really ticks Jesus off. He was grieved at the hardness of their hearts. And he told the man, he says, God, he says, sir, man, whatever. He says, stretch out your hand. And so he stretched it out and his hand was restored. Immediately, the Pharisees, they went out and they started plotting with the Herodians against them of how they might kill him. See, the Sabbath is supposed to be a day of rest, but these religious leaders have turned it into a day of, of worrying about, oh, am I breaking this law? Am I breaking this law? Of counting steps and always looking over your shoulder and always looking behind your back. And sure, it was a day off of, from their job, but it was not relaxing. See, I think that's the best word to describe what God wants for us. See, I think every single one of us in this room, because we're all human, all right, we need to take a day, not three days, not four days, not a weekend, a day, all right? Some of us take too many days, but I think we need to take a day and relax, take a nap or something. You know, Jesus took naps, um, have some fun. And I think some of this relaxing uh, it can be different for, for each and every one of, one of us. For example, I was talking with somebody after first service, and they're like, you know what I really like to do? is I like to mow. And I'm like, hey, if mowing is relaxing to you, then yeah, that, that counts. You could do that on your day of rest if it's relaxing to you. If it's work like it is in my mind, you know, like for me, I don't like to mow anymore because I've mowed too much. I don't know what the deal is. And, uh, you know, I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like, not, that's not relaxing to me, and so I shouldn't do that. Right? If going to your kid's baseball game is relaxing to you, and if it's like, oh, I can't wait just to get out there and relax and watch my kid play, then go ahead and do it right? on that day of rest. If it's not relaxing to you, it's like, oh, I got to get the kids all dressed. I got to get them all out the door. I got to get them all in the car. I got to drive them all over there. Then I got to watch that game. And then I, gotta, I got this parent I got to worry about. I got to see this person. And then, and then you're like, and then I got to feed, feed them dinner and I got to do all this. If it's like that, then you shouldn't be doing it one day a week when you're supposed to be relaxing. It's like, put your phone down for, for a day, right? Some people ask, like, well, I don't get it. Like, does it matter? Like, like which day is kind of confusing. You know, Sabbath, right, it's technically Saturday, but we go to church on Sunday, and so how did that all happen? You know, but sometimes I work those days, and, you know, what's going on in Romans? Paul tells us in Romans 14, he says, hey, it doesn't matter which day. 
Just pick a day. All right? Well, I can't do that. Like, I live in the real world. I have a real job. Like, some weekends I have to work. Like, that's just, it's just part of my job. And it's like, I get it, bro. Like, I'm literally working right now on this stage. Like, I'm working. See, for me personally, just to let you guys know, like, I try to do, and I've been doing this for maybe a year and a half or so. Because, again, I'm not perfect at this. I'm not even close. But uh, I try to do from, like, noon on Sunday to noon on Monday. Mondays, I, I have the day off from my job because I work on Saturday and Sunday. But, uh, but noon on Sunday to noon on Monday, that's my Sabbath. That's my 24-hour Sabbath rest is, is how I do it, you know, where I only do stuff that's fun and relaxing and I spend time with my family and stuff like, stuff like that. Earlier this week, I was talking with a friend, and, and he had the idea. He's like, okay, yeah. He was kind of pushing back a little bit, and we're, you know, we're kind of wrestling over this idea. And, and he's like, hey, I'd rather work more and not take a rest and do more for God in my life, All right? And I'm like pushing back on that. I'm like, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I don't think we necessarily get more work done when we skip the day of rest. Because for me personally, all right, I feel like, and it's, it's kind of weird how this happens again, as I've been doing this for the last year and a half or so, you know, what I've realized in my own life is I get more done throughout my week, even though I take a day of rest. It's weird. It is kind of weird. It's almost like that's how God has designed us, you know, just throwing that out there. Like I'm more productive when I have a day of rest throughout my week, but we don't do that, right? We kind of work seven days. We work a little each day of the week, and I will be honest with you. I think, I think we're doing it wrong. I think we're doing it wrong. It's funny because I think we're so messed up, and I'm included in this, that uh, God tells us, he says, hey, I want you to take a break. And we're like, no. <laughs> Isn't that kind of weird? Like God tells us to take a break and we're like, no, God, I'm not doing it your way. I don't, don't want to do it your way. Jesus is like, it's a gift. Do it the way that I've told you to do it. And so what I want you to ask yourself this morning, and this is what I've been asking myself all week, Okay. Like, I'm, I'm in here, you know, all week I'm studying this. I'm trying to figure out what God wants for me, you know, what's, what's right and what's wrong and, and trying to figure out what God's saying. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that kind of goes into that. And, and this is what I've been asking myself this week. And this is what I want you to ask yourself right here this morning. And that's this. What is wrong with me deep down inside of me? Like, what is wrong with me that I choose to live a different way than how God has designed me and told me to live? Like, what is it? What's keeping you from living the right way in regards to your time, your work, and your rest? Is it pride? Right? Is it, hey, I just want to, I want to prove myself to my manager. I want to, I want to do this, or, you know, I want to prove myself to, to this person, or, you know, I want to be the best that I can be. I want people to look up to me. Is it pride, or is it, is it money? Right? Well, I, I, I need this money. You know, life's not going to slow down. There's whatever project you're in right now, I promise you there's another project right after that. Right? Sometimes they stack up. It's annoying. I'm not saying to slow down. God's not saying slow down. God's telling you and me as Christians, he's saying, hey, I want you to work, sweat, and bleed for six days straight. And then I want you to completely stop. 
and take a real rest. Not filled with all this busy stuff, not connected to your phone or your computer or whatever it might be. God's saying that's the rhythm for your life. And you know what I think? I think if you live your life God's way with this day of rest built into the week, I think, number one, you will accomplish more in your life than, than, than you are now. I, I think you'll definitely 100% accomplish more in your life in general. And I also think you'll enjoy your life better. That's how God's created us. That's how God has designed us. But for some reason, it's so hard for us to peel away. Let's pray. God, we, uh, we thank you for these words and thank you for teaching us and showing us how to do life your way or how to do life the way that you have completely built us and, and created us to live. You made us this way and you did that for a reason. God, you gave us an example with your work and, and you've given us in the Old Testament, you, you gave the rule or the law or the commandment. God, you were an example to us when Jesus came and he rested. God, help us to unplug for one day out of a week and to stop. Not that that detracts from our working and that we work hard and that we're the hardest workers at our job site or at our place of work, hardest workers at our jobs. But God, help us to one day rest the way that you have called us to rest. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.